You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number two of a series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And just so you know, a lot of the content for this series is really inspired by uh, really a collection of books and teachings from a pastor by the name of Peter Scazzaro. Uh, and really, the, the first book that he wrote is this one called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And this is a book that has deeply impacted my relationship with God. And I just want to encourage you that if you want to be able to really dig deeper into the lot of conversations that we're having, this is a great resource for you. But also, he's done some content specifically about relationships. And one of those that I wanted you to see was this, and it's Emotionally Healthy Relationships Day-by-Day 40-Day Journal. And so this is really a devotional, a 40-day devotional, where if you want to go deeper into some of the content that we are talking about, having emotionally healthy relationships, I encourage you to get this book um, and, and to be able to really dig deeper into what God is saying through a lot of this content. Okay, here's the big idea of this series, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. The big idea is this, emotionally healthy relationships are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. That is really the big idea of this series, that we're not going to wait for somebody else to get healthy, that we're going to take personal responsibility and say, I'm choosing to make sure that I'm getting emotionally healthy because the truth of it is, is one, you can't control somebody else, but then two, emotionally healthy relationships are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. So, Emotionally healthy marriages and emotionally healthy dating relationships, uh, emotionally healthy engaged couples, emotionally healthy friendships, emotionally healthy families, they're all made up of emotionally healthy individuals. Let me put it this way, the healthier you get, the healthier every single one of your relationships will be, and that's a fact. I'm telling you, if you choose to say, regardless of what anybody else does, I'm choosing to be a healthier person, that will impact and make a difference in every single one of your relationships. So in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about some practical relational tools that you can actually put in your relational toolbox that is needed so that you can have emotionally healthy relationships. And last week... Uh, we talked about the importance of awareness. And if you missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it or watch it. You can watch it on, on our YouTube channel or you can listen to it. We have audio podcast on both Apple and Spotify. But it really kind of set the foundation for a lot of what we're talking about. But this week, if you're taking notes, let's talk about assumptions and expectations. Doesn't that sound fun? Let's, not really, okay. We're doing it anyway, okay? We're going to talk about assumptions and expectations. But let me tell you, church, just really what my burden is today. Um, I, I ask God every single week for a burden for the message. And this week, here's my burden. I just want to practically help you. That is my burden. My burden is not to impress you. My burden is not to inspire you. Really, Here's what I feel like God has asked me to do, is just to help you. 
by talking about assumptions and expectations. But before we do any of that, I think we need to invite God to speak to us. So let's pray. God, we thank you for today, and we invite you to speak to us. God, I ask that we would all walk out of here different than how we walked in. And that's not going to be because of my words. It's going to be because of your words. So God, I pray that you would anoint this message. I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear you over the next few minutes. Speak to us about assumptions and expectations. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. In 1944, Fritz Heater and Marianne Simmel conducted a scientific study called an experimental study of apparent behavior. And in this study, all the people that were in it were told to watch this video. And then they were asked one question, what's happening in this video? So what's happening now, if you're listening later on our audio podcast and not watching this, this is a 79 year old video that shows two triangles. One is bigger, one is smaller and a circle that's moving all around the screen. And the only other object on the screen is a stationary rectangle that, that partially opens like a door. And out of all the people that participated in this study and were asked, hey, what's happening in this video? Get this, only one person, only one got it right. And here's what's happening in this video. It's shapes moving around on a screen. (laughs) That's it. That's all it is. Just shapes that are moving around on a screen. Now, everyone else made up this elaborate story to explain what they were real deep. I mean, just like, just elaborate of what they were seeing. And here's the truth. The first time I watched it, I did the same thing. Just confession of a pastor. I did the same thing. In fact, will you play it again? And let me tell you what I saw. The very first time I saw it, I thought that the big triangle was a big bully that was just trying to intimidate and establish dominance over the small triangle by taking the circle. And then I watched it again. And then the second time I watched it, I thought maybe that the triangles were guys and the circle was a girl, and, and, and the little circle and the little triangle were actually deeply in love, and they fell in love. <laughs> but, but the big triangle was the little circle's judgmental, protective dad who was trying to keep them separated because he didn't approve of their relationship. But the more he tried to keep them apart, oh, the more that they rebelled. And the more that they fought to just stay together. Just heavy Romeo and Juliet vibes. I mean, just, I saw that from watching shapes just moving around. That's all it was. Just literally, it was just shapes moving around. Now, now here's the point. We are storytelling people. Well, we love a good story, don't we? It's, it's, it's why we love a good movie. It's why we love to binge a good show on our favorite streaming platforms. It's, it's why we love reading 
novels because we love a good story. And the truth is, we often see the world through the stories that we are constantly telling ourselves, get this, whether they're true or not. And we have to understand that these stories that we tell ourselves on an everyday basis have a massive impact on our emotions. For example, the more times, I'm just being honest, the more times I watch that dumb video of shapes moving around on a screen, the more I found myself getting more and more angry at that big triangle. I know that there's probably something incredibly wrong with me, and I'm in counseling, just so you know. My counselor will be here in two weeks to talk to all of us. I'm serious. I'm so excited. But I just kept getting more and more angry at that big triangle. Like, what a jerk. Who does that big triangle think he is? Just getting all up in that other dude's business. You know, like I just, and um, the truth is like the stories we tell ourselves do have a massive impact on our emotions. Uh, Peter Scazzaro, who, who wrote a lot of this content, he actually says this, the stories we tell ourselves have an enormous impact on our feelings or our emotions. Consider the difference of what goes on in your mind when a friend who agrees to meet you for dinner is 40 minutes late. How different are your feelings when you tell yourself maybe he had an accident driving here or the relationship is clearly more important to me than it is to him. Each interpretation generates a different feeling. Why? Because our feelings are closely related to the story we tell ourselves about the things going on around us. To quit faulty thinking and maintain good emotional and spiritual health, we must make an intentional decision to stop mind reading and to verify our assumptions by talking to people in person instead of in our heads. Come on, how many of you know that it's so easy to make assumptions in our relationships, right? Isn't it so easy? Well, you know what happens when we assume, right? I mean, it just, I'll leave it there. Um, it just, the truth is we do it all the time. We make assumptions in our relationship all the time. It's so easy to make up a story. It's so easy to create a narrative about why they didn't invite you to hang out with the group on Friday night. Or why they didn't ask you out on a second date. Or why they looked at you the way that they did. Or why they didn't call or text back. Or why they left in a hurry. Or why you didn't get that promotion. Or you didn't get that opportunity or that assignment at your job. And so often, these assumptions, these stories that we tell ourselves not only drastically affect our emotions, but they also drastically impact our relationships. Get this, even though we, in reality, we have no clue whether they are even true or not. But not only do they impact our emotions and what we feel, they literally have a massive impact on our relationship. And the Bible actually talks about this in all places in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20. Now, these Ten Commandments are very important. Some theologians even consider this to be God's top ten list. 
Now, here's what I find so interesting about the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you see that they're all about relationships. In fact, the first four commandments are all about our individual relationship with God. And then the last six are all about our relationship with other people. Now, here's what I find so amazing. Because I love when you can see these themes all throughout the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, because Jesus, a couple thousand years later, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, was asked, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Out of the entire Old Testament, all, get this, 614 commandments. Which one is the most important one, including 10 of those being the 10 commandments? Well, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophet, this whole book are based on these two commandments. Oh, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And he says, oh, the most important thing is to love God and love people. Just like the Ten Commandments. That you have to do those two things. Now, I've, I've, I've read that thousands of times. I've taught this at our church many times. Many of you have sat in amazing green chairs and heard me share about this verse. And it's so easy when we hear about that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like somehow that's elementary. Like somehow we, we get past loving God and loving people. <laughs> but I saw something this week as I was studying this fresh and anew that I want to make sure that we all get here. Like fresh revelation of this scripture. Please don't miss this. See, like Jesus didn't give two answers to that question. It's so easy to think that. Oh, Jesus is being rebellious. They try to put him in a box. What's the greatest commandment? Oh, let me give you two. Mm -mm. He didn't give two. He gave one. See, Jesus is saying that these two things, they cannot be separated. Like that they, they, those two things, loving God and loving people, they go hand in hand. Like you can't have one without the other. See, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21, in the message paraphrase, it says that the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. You can't separate those two things. Listen, this is why we cannot separate spiritual maturity and emotional maturity. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And this is the message of the Bible from cover to cover. Love God and love people. You cannot separate those two things. That is the message of Jesus, and that is the message of the Ten Commandments. And so when, when God rolls out these Ten Commandments, he starts with the first four that are all about loving God. And then on number five, he switches and he starts talking about our relationships with other people. And this is the ninth commandment. 
So we went through eight, and here's the ninth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. It says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. In the, in the NIV, it actually says this, that you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. In the New King James Version of the Bible, is translated this, that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So the question is, what, like, what does that mean? And why is that in God's top 10 list? Why is this in the 10 commandments? Well, this commandment has a literal application. Like this, a literal application. This is a legal, judicial language that when someone gets put on the witness stand and then falsely testifies about a person, which then creates a false narrative telling lies about someone in a court of law that could lead to them being found guilty for a crime that they didn't even commit. And God says, don't do that. But not only does it have a literal application, it also has a practical application. And here's what I wrote down. Here's the practical application. As humans, we are constantly making assumptions and putting expectations on other people. And when people do not meet our expectations, we often begin to create an elaborate story in our minds about why we are experiencing what we are experiencing. Our minds become a courtroom. And we not only get on the witness stand to tell our side of the story, we also take on the role of judge and jury. We so easily give false testimony, bear false witness against that person by creating a false narrative that's filled with assumptions when we do not know why they did what they did. And then we declare that person guilty before ever hearing the facts or their side of the story. Now, I don't know about you, but I've experienced this many times in my life. I know in my life that when my wife, when my kids, when my parents, when my older sister, when my friends, when the people I'm on a team with, the people that I work with, when they don't meet my expectations, it is so easy for me to just go into the courtroom of my own mind and then begin to make assumptions and begin to tell myself a story and, and ultimately bear false witness against them. And God says, hey, don't do that. Now, the Bible is full of verses that actually talk about the importance of not doing that. And just in Proverbs 18 alone, which Proverbs is known as a book of wisdom, just in that one chapter, let me read four verses. In verse 2, it says, fools, anybody want to be a fool? Not me. It says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to err their own opinion. They only want to tell their story. Verse 13 says, listen before you speak. For to speak before you've heard the facts will bring humiliation. Verse 15 says that the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. Another way to translate that would be like, I'm pursuing knowledge. For the ears of the wise, oh, they don't wait for it to come to them. They don't wait for the other person to initiate it. They seek it out. 
Verse 17 says, there are two sides to every story. The first one to speak, oh, that sounds true. And by the way, confession, that often is the story that I tell myself in my own mind. That's the first one. Until you hear the other side. And they set the record straight. This pastor, Peter Scazzaro, he, he, he puts it this way. Every time we make an assumption about someone who has hurt or disappointed us without confirming it, we believe a lie about this person in our head because we have not checked it out with him or her. It is very possible that we are believing something untrue. It is also likely that we will pass that false assumption around to others. And when we leave reality for a mental creation of our own doing, our hidden assumptions, we create a counterfeit world. And when we do this, it can, be prop, it can be properly be said that we exclude God from our lives because God does not exist outside of reality and truth. In doing so, we wreck relationships by creating endless confusion and conflict. And I'm telling you, this principle is at the root of so many of your biggest relational issues and problems, drama, fights, blow-ups, hurts, and disappointments. So the question is, what do we do? Like, what is the relational tool that we all need in our relational toolbox to be able to have emotionally healthy relationships when it comes to this? Here it is. Here's the tool that we all need. We need to stop making assumptions and we need to start clarifying expectations. That is the tool that we all need. Stop making assumptions and start clarifying expectations. If you want to have emotionally healthy relationships, you gotta stop something and you gotta start something. You gotta stop making assumptions. You gotta stop bearing false witness you got to stop creating a courtroom in your own mind when you get on the witness stand and give false testimony and you create your own story and your narrative that may or may not even be true. you got to stop making assumptions. Church, God is omniscient. He knows all things about all situations. And get this, you do not. I don't either. Like none of us do. God is the only one that can say that. So we got to stop making assumptions, but you also got to start something. You got to start clarifying expectations. You're going to have to have the courage to have some open, honest, vulnerable, transparent, potentially awkward conversations where you clarify your expectations. Now, here's what I believe based on almost 42 years of life and 19 years in full-time ministry working with people. 99% of your problems and your drama and your conflict and your issues, 99% of your problems come from unmet expectations. When there is a gap between what you expect and what you experience. That gap creates 99% 
of the problems and the issues and the conflict that you experience in life. And I say 99% church because I leave that 1% just because we all got a little bit of crazy in us, right? (laughs) Just a little bit, just a little bit of crazy. But 99% of the conflict that we face come from unmet expectations. I'm telling you, unmet expectations wreak havoc on our relationships. They, they crush our relationship. Friendships end because of unmet expectations. Marriages divorce because of unmet expectations. Couples break up because of unmet expectations. Families dissolve because of unmet expectations. People quit jobs because of unmet expectations. People leave churches because of unmet expectations. And get this, many times, those expectations aren't even healthy. And really what I wanna do with the rest of our time is I just wanna make sure I paint a very clear picture of what are unhealthy expectations and what are healthy expectations. So I'm gonna give you two lists. And the first list are about unhealthy expectations, because unhealthy expectations are unconscious. Number one, write that down. Unhealthy expectations are unconscious. Like these are expectations that you don't even know that you have until they go unmet. And here's the truth. People cannot meet an expectation that you don't even know that you have. So unhealthy expectations are unconscious. The second is that unhealthy expectations are unrealistic. See, these are expectations that are completely unreasonable, unrealistic. They may be conscious, but they may not be realistic. And there's no way that that person can live up to them. The truth is, there are some expectations that we have of people that no one can be able to live up to. Jesus can't even live up to some of those expectations. So unhealthy expectations are unconscious, unrealistic. Third, they are unspoken. See, these are expectations that you've never talked about. The other person doesn't even know that they exist. They may be conscious, they may be realistic, but maybe you never actually shared them and talked about it. And the fourth is that unhealthy expectations are unagreed upon. These are expectations that you have of others that they did not agree to. And listen, expectations are only valid when they are agreed upon. And so I'm telling you, when your expectations are this, your expectations are unhealthy. Now in 23 days, on May 22nd, Heather and I will celebrate our 19 year anniversary. Yeah, you can clap for her because uh, Yeah, she deserves that. Um, She's amazing. She's actually running slides today. Got my bat. And um, and, uh, and so in 23 days, we'll celebrate our 19-year anniversary. And over those 19 years, I think if both of us could take you out to coffee, and if we could just share our story, I'm telling you, our biggest challenges, struggles, the biggest, like, painful misunderstandings, the, the, the biggest hurt feelings and intense disagreements, which is preacher code for fights, like we fight, they've come when our expectations actually look like this. At the root of our biggest disagreements 
have been when our expectations look like this. I'm telling you, if your expectations look like that, your relationships will eventually struggle and eventually they will be emotionally unhealthy. It is a matter of time. But here's the good news. They don't have to be like that. Like you, you don't have to have unhealthy expectations. You can have healthy expectations, which are the exact opposite. Because healthy expectations are, number one, they're conscious. They're, two, realistic. Three, they're spoken. And four, they are agreed upon. I'm telling you, you can experience relationships that have expectations that look like that. And I challenge each and every one of you to fight with everything that you have to have those type of expectations in your relationships. Husbands, I challenge you as the leaders in your family to fight with everything that you got to have those type of expectations with your wife. I promise you, if you do, your marriage will be better. Parents, moms, and dads, I challenge you to fight with everything that you have, to have those type of expectations with your kids. Don't keep them in the dark. Have expectations that are like that. I promise if you do, your family will be better. If you have friendships in here, I challenge you to fight with everything that you have, to have expectations that look like that with your friends. I promise you if you do your friendships will be better. If you have a J-O-B, I challenge you to fight with everything that you have, to have those type of expectations with your coworkers and your boss. I promise you that your job, your career, your workplace will be better if you do. Listen, nothing even maybe will change about your situation. But I promise you, you'll change on the inside and it will make the biggest difference if you can fight to have that stuff. I'm telling you, for you to do that, for you to have expectations that look like that, I'm just going to be straight up with you. It's going to have to take two things. It's going to have to take one, courage. Like that takes guts. It's going to take courage. And then the second thing, it's going to take effort. And there's no way around this. Listen, you will not drift to those type of expectations. You won't just accidentally experience this and like, oh, whoops, now we have relationships that look like that. You're not going to do that. You're going to have to fight for it. Listen, this is uphill. It takes effort. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, the apostle Paul, he writes, therefore, I beg you, and that's what I'm trying to do, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Don't go in the courtroom of your own mind and start telling the story and start bearing false witness against that. No, it says make some allowance for each other's faults because of your love. But listen, don't just sit on your hands and sing kumbaya and act like everything is peaceful. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And I'm telling you, that takes effort. You may be sitting there listening to this message and thinking, like, Pastor Brian, and that sounds hard. 
Like, man, that sounds like a lot of work. And let me just tell you, you're right. Emotionally healthy relationships are a lot of work. Emotionally healthy relationships are hard. They're not easy. Listen, emotionally healthy relationships, man, they take some effort. Let me just say it how I want to say it. Being an adult is hard. Listen, this isn't JV stuff. This is varsity. It's, it's uphill. It's going to require some effort. It's going to require some work, but it is so worth it because everything great is on the other side of hard. Everything. Listen, just because something is hard, it doesn't make it bad. And I'm telling you, I think we have a generation that has believed a lie that everything that is hard, it must mean it's bad. And I'm here to call the devil a stinking liar and to say that just because something is hard, it doesn't make it bad. And we got to get out of that mindset because I'm going to be honest, some of the best things in my life, some of the times where I've grown the most in my faith, some of the times where I've gotten closest with the people in my life is when I have gone through something hard. I'm telling you, everything great is on the other side of hard. If you want a great marriage, it's on the other side of hard. If you want great friendships, it's on the other side of hard. If you want great working environments and relationships, it's on the other side of hard. You won't drift towards that. But I'm telling you, it is so worth it. And so let me just end with just two very practical questions. I told you, my burden is to help you. Is this helping anybody? Let me help you with these two questions. Write these down. I want you to think about this. Where do you need to stop making assumptions And where do you need to start clarifying expectations? I want you to write those two questions down and I want you to think about that. Maybe right now, maybe take some time this week and really pray, maybe journal. But I want you to think about those two questions. And here's what I believe. We asked God if he would speak to us before we ever opened up the scriptures. And I believe that throughout the last few minutes, God's been speaking to you and he's been bringing up in your mind specific relationships where maybe this is happening. And if that's happening, let me just encourage you. Let me challenge you to do something about it. Do something about it this week. Do something about it today. Listen, don't like James chapter one says, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. I challenge you to do something about it today. But I'm telling you, it's gonna take courage. It's gonna take some effort, but I'm, trust me, it is so worth it. Because when you do, your relationships will be better and they'll be way more emotionally healthy. Stop making assumptions and start clarifying expectations. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.